Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. I'm Douglas L., your host. You can now contact me directly via text, 919-675-1058. That's 919-675-1058. Or join our Facebook group at the Anon Podcast. That's T-H-E-A-N-O-N-P-O-D-C-A-S-T to fellowship with other guests. This podcast aims to be a commentary and discussion of Narcotics Anonymous literature, aiming to enrich the recovery experience of those who are on this beautiful journey. This podcast should not replace contact with your sponsor, your involvement with Stepwork, or participation in the fellowship. Please use this podcast as another resource toward our collective growth as addicts in recovery. We're simply addicts seeking recovery. Nothing more, and for sure, nothing less. Now let's get started. Hi guys, I'm Lisa R. I'm an addict, and this is a Just For Today reading, December 11th. Misery is optional. No one is forcing us to give up our misery. Basic text, page 29. It's funny to remember how reluctant we once were to surrender to recovery. We seem to think that we had wonderful, fulfilling lives as using addicts, and that giving up our drugs would be worse than serving a life sentence at hard labour. In reality, the opposite was true. Our lives were miserable but we were afraid to trade that familiar misery for the uncertainties of recovery. It's possible to be miserable in recovery too, though it's not necessary. No one will force us to work the steps, go to meetings or work with a sponsor. There is no NA militia that will force us to do the things that will free us from pain. But we do have a choice. We've already chosen to give up the misery of active addiction for the sanity of recovery. Now, if we're ready to exchange today's misery for even greater peace, we have a means to do just that, if we really want to. Just for today, I don't have to be miserable unless I really want to be. Today, I will trade in my misery for the benefits of recovery. Thank you so much for letting me read. In today's episode, we'll discuss the Just for Today meditation with our guest, Melissa W. Hey, Melissa, welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad you can make it. So, Melissa, can you tell us your clean date, where you attend meetings, and can you give your home group a shout out? Yeah, uh, my clean date is August 14th, 2016. Um, I attend meetings at Bridge to Freedom, Panama City, Florida, and that is also my home group. So, I'd like to give a shout out to Bridge to Freedom. All right. Thanks, Melissa. Let's transition to the just for today. Can you share your thoughts on misery is optional? Yeah, absolutely. So it was funny when I was asked to do this, I went to the just for today for December 11th and it said misery is optional. And, um, you know, just right there at that point, I was like, all right, my higher power has funny little sense of humor here because this has actually been a majority of my story in recovery. Um, I was in active addiction for 14 years and um, it was always a a struggle with me once I realized I was an addict. See, I realized I was an addict probably about five years before I quit using and um, got some information about, you know, the disease of addiction and, and kind of got out of that denial stage. And literally it was just like hitting bottom after bottom after bottom. And um, I was just completely miserable. And it says, you know, it's funny to remember how reluctant we once were to to surrender to recovery. 
And um, that was definitely me. You know, I, I hated um, the thought of having to give up everything that I'd always known for something that I didn't know. Um, so I was that addict that had to be stopped, you know, jails, institutions, and deaths, not always in that order. So mine came in the form of incarceration. And um, I was privileged enough to go to a rehab that introduced me to Narcotics Anonymous. And since I've been introduced to Narcotics Anonymous and worked the Narcotics Narcotics Anonymous program, I haven't had, you know, a reason to use um, any, any mood altering or mind altering substance since, um, you know, August 14th of 2016. Um, but as far as being miserable in recovery, I was, um, I remember when I first came in and I was working the program just out of that sheer gift of desperation. And, um, you know, it seemed like I was always, you know, having to write a gratitude list for everything that I was grateful for in order to stay on top of that, uh, you know, the, the self-pity that I would uh, experience because I was a single mom in recovery and I had two kids I was taking care of on my own, working a full-time job and everything just seemed like it was extremely hard. So my sponsor used to always tell me, oh, you gotta, you gotta practice perseverance. And um, I just literally would stay miserable. Um, you know, I wouldn't, want to look at the things I was grateful for. I didn't want to live in today. I was always living in tomorrow, um, you know, and my step work, my first and second and third step, you know, I got through those pretty good. And then I hit my fourth step and man, I was just remember the fear of uh, riding on that fourth step and just getting through that fourth step um, and looking at some of the things, looking at my part for the first time in my entire life and writing about some resentments that I'd never even spoke about out loud was really, really tough for me. Um, so I, I, you know, I stayed stagnant. I stayed stagnant in that step. I procrastinated that step and I ran from that step for about a year. And um, it seemed like once I finally pushed through that step and pushed through four and five um, and work them, it seemed like I was back on fire for my recovery again. Everything seemed to get better. And then once again, I had to look at my character defects. So here comes a pattern of behavior in my recovery where every time I had to look at me, you know, take a deep, honest look at me to get better. It was like that, um, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. So I would get procrastinate, I'd procrastinate again and I would get stagnant and I would just get completely and total, totally miserable. Um, you know, it's funny because, uh, the, the walk across at fun in the sun, whenever, uh, a couple years ago, I, it, the question came up, you know, do you have a reservation? And I walked for that question. I had no idea why I walked. So of course, you know, I went to my sponsor afterwards. I'm like, I don't know why I walked. So she gave me a few suggestions on how to kind of process that and figure out where that was coming from. And what it was, was um, you know, the disease of addiction was literally every time I'd go to pick up my step work to try to progress through and kind of grow a little bit, get through some things that were really hard for me to take a look at, because I had a lot of wreckage. Um, it was like there was this little voice that was like, you know, it was just like, you don't really want to do that because that means you're going to have to go back through all those hard feelings again. Mm. And so I was really just I was listening to that voice I wasn't picking up my step work on a regular basis I was not you know getting to the root of my problems and staying in the solution of my problems and um that was making me literally like just so miserable so miserable you know um and, and so working with a sponsor she was able to to kind of say all right hey let's let's take a look at this if this is a painful area in your life maybe this is where we need to concentrate on or did you hear somebody sharing at a meeting like, how did you start to, to press into that? 
well, it was always, it was always like this dreaded feeling, right? I was always like, I don't understand why it's like, I'm always feeling like this. I don't understand why it's like this self-destructive pattern that kept happening over and over again, every six to eight months. Like I would just go through this thing. And she's like, well, you're, you know, you're, you're riding on step work, but you're not riding on step work on a regular basis. Like you're, you're staying stagnant on one step for months at a time and and you're not. And it really, it, it came down to me having to get honest about, okay, well, when I go to go ride on step work and I choose not to, what is it that's making, what, what is making me not want to pick it up? You know, and I had to just kind of look back on that. And um, it's the uncomfortability of going through that pain again, you know, going through that pain of those mm. things that I've never even said out loud or even admitted to myself. See, I was, um, I was a real master manipulator. Like I lied and I believed my lies. So other people would believe my lies in active addiction because, um, that way I could play this person or that person to my advantage. So being in recovery and working, you know, working an honest program and having to do things the honest way, you know, was really tough for me because I was never used to that. Um, so what it came down to is she, uh, she gave me a suggestion about, um, changing up a couple of the routines that I had in my life. Like on a regular basis, I would, you know, shower the same way or make my coffee the same way every day. And she's, you know, she told me to to change it and she didn't tell me why at the time, Mm -hmm. but, um, it was because she wanted me to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, um, Mm -hmm. in doing that, it allowed me to see that being uncomfortable was the reason why. And the reason behind being uncomfortable was I didn't want to go through admitting the pain, you know, admitting the things that I'd done or the things that I'm continuing to do, you know, acting out on my character defects because those things were causing me pain. So it just really took me getting comfortable with being uncomfortable um, for a little while to see that. And once I was able to see that, then it was, I was able to get in the solution and uh, the solution was in the steps. The solution was in, you know, going back to the basics of uh, doing 90 and 90 again, you know, getting in my meetings, getting in my step work, calling my sponsor every day, instead of maybe once every three days, you know, because <laughs> um, I'd gotten, you know, I'd gotten caught up in life and um, anything you put before your recovery, you'll lose. And I was definitely losing it um, slowly, but surely I was just continuing to get more and more miserable. And so this last year, um, you know, I have learned that the steps are the solution. I've learned that whenever I just push past that initial fear of not wanting to feel that pain and start riding on that step and get through that step, like I am so much more free um, than I could ever have imagined, you know, um, sitting through the pain and sitting through those feelings has also allowed me to let some things go. Um, you know, some feelings that I thought were going to be with me forever. Um, and really, you know, once I felt them and I was, I was able to let them go at that point, it wasn't an option of now I have no, I have no option, but to feel this, I was able to be like, wow, I felt that. And now it doesn't have that hold over me anymore. And that was a really hard concept for me in my recovery. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I didn't, you know, they, they tell me all the time, you just got to feel it. You know, the only way through it is through it, all these little things. And I was just like, y'all don't understand you know, now that's the biggest lie, man. That's one of the biggest lie addiction hits us with is like how we're feeling right now is how we're always going to feel no matter what. And so why do the footwork to get some relief, right? Why do the footwork to get to the, to the exact nature of what's going on? It, nothing's going to change, man. That's one of the biggest lies addiction hits us with. And, and, uh, and I tell my guys, man, we can't heal what we can't feel, you know? And so we have to sit with that and with the process and then do the work, 
um, you know, to get down to like, okay, so why am I putting myself in situations that elicit this response, right? This emotional response. And so look, let me ask you a couple of things. This walk across, uh, can you add some context to that? So our listeners, I think I know what you're talking about here. Um, maybe it was at a convention or something like that. Yeah. Can you add some context to that? Yeah, absolutely. That is the Fun in the Sun convention. I've done it also at the Howl convention. Um, but at the Fun in the Sun convention, they um, they get into a room, they lock the doors, it's completely silent. And there's uh, one person up on stage asking the questions. And these are some questions of uh, some things like they get real, real deep in this in this walk across. And if the question applies to you, there's two lines on each side of the room, you know, you walk across. And um, if it doesn't apply to you, stay where you are. And so by doing this workshop, um, the few years that I've been to Fun in the Sun in my recovery, I've learned uh, so much, you know, I've learned not only am I not alone in the things because see the, the hundreds of addicts that you see walking for some of the same things you've either been through or mm. done or haven't done, it really gives you hope and healing. It's actually um, my very first one, that's where I lost the desire to use because I realized that, um, you know, no matter what I never had to use again, because I had, I mean, there's just hundreds of addicts that I could reach out to at any point in time. And that's what really the love of the mm. fellowship, you know, it just really uh, touched me. And so um, there were also some questions like, you know, if you've ever, if you've released, have you released the guilt and the shame from the wreckage of your past, right? And at that point, I couldn't walk for that question. So that realized that was something that I wanted in my recovery that I didn't have yet. And so that made me, you know, kind of steer towards wanting to work towards that even more, you know, so it gave me motivation to work towards the things that I didn't have and helped me um, realize that I wasn't alone and I wasn't the worst, you know, for all of the things that I have done or that I have been through, right. you know, because the disease will just lie to you and it'll tell you you're the only one, you That's know, right. you're the That's worst right. one um, and you're all alone, you know, and isolation was a big part of my active addiction. So, um, you know, to see that I wasn't alone and I never had to be alone again. That was just a really powerful thing for me. Um, so yeah, the walk cross, I mean, if you ever get an opportunity to do one, I just, I strongly suggest that it's amazing. It really yeah, so is. If we have some folks listening who are on convention committees or, or, you know, for their state or in other countries, <laughs> bring the walk across to, to your convention. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> All right. So Melissa, let me ask you, I want to ask you one question. Then, then I'll ask you our final question to wrap up the episode. You, you talked about this in, um, in general terms, this, this trade-in, right? Like whatever we're going through right now, sometimes we we're hesitant to trade that in um, because we, we'd rather keep what we have, even though, I mean, it's some bullshit though, you know, and that's the hit, man, even though it's some bullshit to what, to what's next, what we could have, what we don't know. Um, so have you identified like what helps you make that transition to saying, you know what, man, I, I, I'm ready to let this go. I'm ready to trade what I have in for for maybe what the higher power will for me is, you know, like what's next? Like how do you, what usually facilitates you getting ready for that transition? Well, generally getting ready for that transition for me looks like a bunch of I'll get real anxious. And, you know, I today I can see when I'm living in fear because I start acting out on those character defects that I've already wrote about in my sixth step. And um, I also have, you know, loving caring members of Narcotics Anonymous that'll point out, you know, Missy, you're not you're not exactly uh, 
you know, acting yourself, are you okay, you know, and things like that, and my sponsor, you know, she's really good about whenever I tell her, you know, calling her, and I'm normally calling about some bullshit, <laughs> and she's just like, I, well, you know, I think that maybe you should apply this to this, or, you know, this step to that, and so normally I can identify when I'm living in fear, and when I'm living in fear, I realize that's not where I want to be, um, I want to be, I want to be free, you know, and because I've experienced yeah, right. some freedom through the first steps that I've worked, um, I know it's there, but I know I can start to tell when I haven't reached that level yet. Um, it's just that nagging feeling inside, like you're just going back, you know, you're supposed to be moving forward. So that, that phrase that we have, you're either growing or going, I really like that mm. um, because it's really true and I feel it. It's not like a, a thought thing. It's a feel thing. I can feel it whenever I'm regressing and whenever I'm not, um, you know, doing the right thing because I make it a point to be um, very very thorough and honest about my program like if I, I know if I'm cutting a corner or I know if I'm you know because these were things that were so uh, dominant in my active addiction that I had to separate myself completely from them to make sure that they didn't take me back out so you know when I feel that I'm living in fear I know that there has to be a transition made so you know what it looks like is me calling my sponsor and asking for help calling my network and asking for help if there's another addict that has dealt with what I'm dealing with at that time I know that they've dealt with it and have gotten through it clean I will reach out to them if I don't normally my sponsor has a suggestion of who to reach out to or somebody right. else in my network um, I go to meetings and I love listening to speaker tapes because you know there's so much recovery throughout the world that um, you know, most of the time I'm going to hear what I need, you know, praying to my higher power and asking him to give me exactly what I need. I've never not gotten in one way or another through one member or another, one chair or another. So. So Melissa, with that, uh, let me ask you this and thank you for being transparent with us and carrying that message. And and so with, you got four cakes now, right? You've been on this journey. You got, you got four birthday cakes if you could, knowing what you know now and having this experience, if you could sit down with yourself with one day clean or one week clean, could you share with us, you know, what, what would you tell yourself then? I would tell myself then to uh, work the steps and don't procrastinate them. Um, don't prolong that healing and don't prolong that freedom like I did because at the, in the end, it just, it only hurt, it only hurt me in the end, you know, only, it only held me hostage, and I let, I lived miserable, just like the reading talks, but I lived miserable in recovery, and that, that was my choice, but uh, I was so blinded by fear, I couldn't even see that I was making that choice, so I would just give her that advice, I would just tell myself, you know, don't procrastinate and prolong them steps, because that's where your freedom lies. Thank you all again for spending your time with us today on the Anonymous Podcast. I encourage you all to focus on that magic six-letter word, others, as we go out into the world. Stop by the Facebook page, fellowship with other guests, or send me a text. Let me know if you'd like to be a guest or if you have any ideas on future podcasts. Until next time, I'm your host, Douglas L. Namaste, and God bless. Mm -hmm.